My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 173 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. This week's title is More Than a Prophet, and in parentheses, Fine Clothing. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 7, 24 through 28. And when they had left, he began to talk to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A person arrayed in finery? Look, those wearing finery are in king's houses. But then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, even more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it has been written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your path in front of you. I tell you, there has not risen among women's offspring anyone who surpasses John. Yet the least significant in God's kingdom is more than he. Our companion text this week, Matthew eleven seven through 11 as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. But then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And Luke 7, 24 through 28, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed, a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A, mess, a man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is not one greater than John, and yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And this saying actually even made its way into the Gospel of Thomas. This is Gospel of Thomas 78. Jesus says, why did you go out to the countryside to see a a reed shaken by the wind and to see a person dressed in soft clothing like your kings and your great and powerful persons, they are dressed in soft clothing and will not be able to recognize the truth. In the Jewish tradition, the, the role of a prophet was to be a, a gadfly to those at the, the top of the Jewish domination system, both priests and kings. And the common thread in their work was a call for, for justice for the oppressed, the justice for the marginalized and the vulnerable and the exploited. Uh, the clearest example uh, of this focus is uh, Amos. Hebrew prophets uh, were not 
prognosticators. They weren't weren't predicting uh, things that would happen in the future, so to speak. Uh, rather, they were those who who cast an imaginative vision of a future where all violence, injustice, and oppression uh, were put right. And yet, yet, John the Baptist was more than this. He emerged not by casting a vision for a distant hope, but by announcing that uh, the vision that had so long been longed for uh, had finally arrived. It was here. It was now. It was today. And last week, we discussed the difference between the proclamations of John and the actual ministry of Jesus. In our saying this week, however, Jesus reveals deep respect for John and those who followed him. John was the the real deal, so to speak, calling for, for social change right here, right now. And, and he practiced what he preached. He did not come in, in fine clothes and luxury, bringing good news to the exploited and the subjugated. He had abandoned the luxury of, of the priestly aristocracy. And, and Luke, uh, John's father, was a priest. So he, he was a voice in solidarity with the exploited, crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the coming uh, that Isaiah had uh, announced. And this connection to Isaiah and Malachi's liberation theme was central to the community that cherished Sang's gospel cue. This is Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah 57, 14, and it will be said, build up build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way for my people. Isaiah 62, 10, pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way of the people, build up, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. And Malachi 3, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Um, Let's talk about the inability to recognize the truth for a moment. This saying appears, as I said a moment ago, in uh, the Gospel of Thomas, as well as the canonical text. And this, gospel uh, captures the inability of those benefited or privileged by the status quo to rightly characterize the movement of John and Jesus. And we're going to talk about more of that next week, but those who represent the institutional establishment, its, it's apologists, uh, and, and those that are complicit, the, the complicit supporters, they do not internally resonate with a revolution. They, they aren't in a position that enables them to recognize good news when it emerges. In Mark, too, uh, the, the Jesus movement isn't perceived as good news by Herod, Caiaphas, or, or Pilate, but rather is seen as a, a threat to each one of those. And the, the Gospel of Thomas expresses this universal truth explicitly when it states that these leaders who are in fine or soft clothing, this luxury, will not be be able to even recognize the truth. The truth could be all around them, and they would either miss its significance or or proclaim it as as dangerous or, or even heretical. But, but the oppressed, they know good news when they hear it. And in matters of theology, and I would now also argue in economics and politics as well, it's important to listen to the perspectives and interpretations of those who don't benefit from the present system. In matters of theology, as we've discussed, 
discussed in previous weeks. Uh, it's white colonial European and patriarchal theologians uh, that struggle to recognize liberating truth. And, and the church desperately needs the voices uh, of those that are not pre- presently benefited, uh, the voices of liberation. They, 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 they desperately need to, to listen to the voices of, of black liberation theologians, of feminist uh, theologians, of, of, of womanists, and, and even queer theologians. And as a result of their, their places in the present society, the, 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 the less privileged or the disadvantaged position, they are best positioned to recognize uh, what is genuine good news and what is the same old religious endorsement of exploitative systems that, that benefit some at the expense of the many or that benefit the majority at the exclusion uh, and marginalization of a few. And let's talk about egalitarianism in the empire of God as well, because we have some of that in this week's saying. Also notice that even though John was more than a prophet, in Jesus's subversive empire, and I want to call it the empire of God uh, because of the the context, it's context with the Roman empire, uh, those considered the most insignificant are esteemed even more than John. And why? Uh, This upends the customs of the empire of Rome. It works because in Jesus's new world, uh, people value and take care of people. Everyone is valued. And that which dehumanizes or devalues is systematically dismantled. And in Jesus's new kingdom, every person is of equal worth and of equal value. And this value is is based on their being, not on their doing, their their essence, not their performance, that their value is rooted in each person's humanity. And again, as we've said for the last three weeks, the Q community seemed to place a special emphasis on rooting Jesus's liberation in the in the good news of Isaiah and Malachi, a, a book written, uh, Malachi was a, same, a book written in the same era as um, as Isaiah was redacted. So, so what what does this mean for us today? We've discussed the egalitarian nature of Jesus's social vision at length, but what I'd like to focus on this week is this first part: the inability of those in fine clothing to recognize the truth, and when asked, what does this mean? And this verse reminds me first off of, of comments that I received the first time that I wore blue jeans and a sports coat to a church service that I was speaking at. People insisted that my clothes were not quite fine enough. And it, it made me wonder whether there was a link between a congregation's fine clothing and their complicity with a, a status quo that, that leaves many impoverished for uh, elite benefits. But the fine clothing in this week's saying, it represents an economic privilege. It's, it's a symbol. The economic privilege is our springboard to other areas of social and political and religious privilege too. But today, we we can simultaneously exist in positions of privilege and disadvantage in multiple areas of our lives because of the social oppressions that influence our society. As an example, a a white-collar woman has a different set of privileges and disadvantages than a blue-collar male. A a man of uh, color 
there has a different social position than either white men or and white women or, or women of color. And a white gay male will experience society differently than a, a straight man of color or, or a gay or bisexual man of color. My most recent encounter with this dynamic was a discussion I had with two LGBT friends. One is a white-collar professional while the other is an Appalachian blue-collar laborer. Both have the same concerns right now about uh, the protection of their rights in, in the United States. Both favor individuals running for office that will stand up for, for their rights as people who belong to the LGBT community. But, but what surprised me was my professional friend's inability to see the economic perspective of my blue-collar friend. My white-collar friend preferred candidates that are pro-LGBT and they support corporatism. My blue-collar friend, he supports candidates that are pro-LGBT and, and have more of an interventionist or pro-labor policy. And, and I expected that much. But what surprised me was my white-collar friend's inability to understand my other friend's priorities, even to the point of, of near insult and, and derision. Their, their final parting statement was, your candidate will have no significant effect on my life, so why should I care about a candidate that won't affect me at all? And I, I sat there kind of shocked that that would be uh, the, 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 the retort. Um, there are lots of political uh, movements that I'm involved in that really wouldn't change my life at all, uh, but they, they, they change someone else's. Politics can get ugly, and, and this is the season of ugliness here in the States, and the intersections of our own privilege and our disadvantage is complex, but our, our privilege and disadvantages, they, they, they overlap and they intersect, I think, on multiple levels in society, and at some point, we have to ask ourselves, what's, what is best for us all, not just what is best for me, and how, how does this relate to our saying this week? In every area of our lives where we are in a, a position of privilege or wearing, as the text this week says, fine clothes, uh, our saying this week states that we are unable to see things as they are for those who are not like us, not like ourselves. And someone else's truth is unrecognizable to us. And in that very place, a humble posture of listening becomes vital. It becomes important as we labor to, to transform our world and to a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all. We saw this vision last week in the words of Micah. Everyone will sit under their own vine and, and under their own fig tree and no one will make them afraid. That's Micah 4.4. And as we each listen to the stories of those whose experience differs from our own, uh, we can learn to build communities where each person receives what is necessary for them to thrive and to develop into the best version of themselves that they can be. But it's not easy. Our, our defenses are easily triggered, and listening takes practice. We typically want to protect and preserve the, the fine-clothes areas of our lives. And, and so listening to the experiences of others can, can be threatening. And in these moments, we must make a choice to, to lean into our discomfort rather than away from it, because it, it's in these moments of discomfort that we discover a of paradigms and we gain an opportunity to reject them. So to each of you who are taking a stand in some way or another and, and you're feeling the pressure of being shaken in the wind, uh, may this week's saying be an, be an encouragement to you. Um, those in fine clothing may not recognize the value of what you're doing. 
but to those whom you're working alongside, um, they often will. And together we can create a world where each of us are equally heard, we're listened to, and we're valued and, and understood. And so Sayings Gospel Q7, 24 through 28. And when they had left, he began to talk to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A person arrayed in finery? Look, those wearing finery are in king's houses. But then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, even more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it has been written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your path in front of you. I tell you, there is not arisen among women's offspring anyone who surpasses John, yet the least significant in God's kingdom is more than he. Heart group application this week. Uh, this week, I want you to do two things with your group. First, I want you to list all the ways that you are different from one another. And this will this list will be rather long. And then second, um, list all the ways in which you are the same or similar to each other. And then prioritize this list. Which areas of sameness are most important to each of you? And now focus on that second list again um, uh, in the light of the ways in which you're the same. Go back and return to the first list and see if you have more respect for the areas that make your group different as well. And where our differences cause our experiences in society to also differ, maybe, just maybe, we can begin to reach out from our our private experiences and stand in solidarity with others. Thank you for joining us this week. As always, keep living in love till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues, is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember Remember, every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns.